Welcome to another edition of NBA Sound System. Carlin Gay alongside Mike Adams and Scott Rafferty. And gentlemen, don't call it a comeback. What else are we going to call it? <laughs> the return. It's not the return. The return? Yeah, the return. I'm going to call it a comeback. I'm going to call it a glorious comeback. The return of the greatest sport on the, on the planet. Sorry, yeah. all you soccer fans out there. Uh, there's a reason that we're uh, not doing the World Cup format, Carlin, which you're excited about. I'm so excited about that. By the way, uh, football fans are are feeling ultra disrespected twice by A, not having their sport recognized as the number one sport, and then B, you calling it soccer. I think they yeah. feel a little bit disrespected by that. I'm not going to apologize. I'm not going to apologize. Hey, the only this European on this, the, the only European on this says this is soccer. So we'll, we'll call it soccer. Uh, he's he's just spoken. Just to avoid confusion, you've got to. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, the league is coming back. Our league, the NBA is coming back. Um, not in full force, just 22 teams. The other eight, see you later. Your season is done. Uh, some of them should be happy about that because we probably didn't need to see any more basketball from some teams. Uh, <clears throat> New York Knicks. But uh, for the other 22 teams who still have hope alive to win the NBA title, they will be in a bubble in Orlando, one of Micah's favorite places of all time, Disney World, yeah, baby. Uh, will host them. Uh, the Wild World of Sports, more specifically, uh, will host the games, and the teams will stay in the bubble in Orlando. Um, I mean, all the information is, is basically out there on the format. 22 teams, eight games remaining for each of those teams in the regular season. Uh, and let's let's break it all down for from what we know at this moment. I mean, when you look at the standings, for me, my initial thought was why you bring back 22 teams, why play eight games? Then when I went and looked at the standings, I saw a lot of potential movement throughout the standings. I mean, the Bucks are locked into first place more than likely. Uh, the, the Lakers and Clippers will battle for the number one seed out west. But when you go down each uh, you know conference, there is – there's going to be a lot of movement potentially in this uh, in the last eight games of the regular season. For me, there's, I want to say, three, maybe four teams that are locks. Like you're saying, I don't think anyone's catching the Bucks. I think the Raptors are pretty safe at number two in the East. And I actually think the Celtics are pretty safe at number three in the East. And then the fourth team is the Lakers in the West. I don't think the Clippers are going to catch them. Beyond that, there's basically any of those other teams could move up and down. I mean, the Clippers are only one and a half game against, uh, ahead of the Nuggets. We're going to talk about you know, the eighth seed in the West and the East, which is still very much up for grabs. So for me, there's only really four teams that I, I, I can't see moving right now. I agree with that. I think that there's, there's a, a potential for lots of jockeying. And uh, really what, what's interesting about that too is, especially if it's, you know, if it's the teams that are locked in that are the top three in the East and the Lakers at the top of the West, could there be some even more chicanery than, than typical with wanting to necessarily not, not manipulate who's, who's going to win and who's going to do what, but th- there, there definitely is, I think, more potential for teams kind of angling for other teams to slot into specific seating. Uh, and I, I'm just, I'm fascinated by how it's going to play out. I do want to say though, like I, why, what are the Phoenix Suns doing here? They're six games back in the loss column. I understand that they're not mathematically eliminated, but like, what are, what are we doing? Why why are, why do we need to watch the Phoenix Suns play uh, as part of this tournament here in Orlando? 
I'm actually shocked that you guys both think that people are like stone cold locks into their certain positions. I know the Raptors are three games up on the Celtics. I understand that. I, I think, like I said, the Bucks are probably the only ones for me that might be stone cold locks. They're six and a half games up on the Raptors in terms of the first seed in the Eastern Conference. But when you eliminate the eight other teams that aren't going to be a part of it, and you just have the 22 who, are, who I have everything to play for, like you mentioned the Phoenix Suns, why are they there? They can't afford to lose a single game because that means the end of their season because they're so low down. Like it's every game is game seven for them going but, forward. Yeah, but when they start 0-2, yeah, then exactly. they six games with nothing to play for. Right, but I'm saying, yeah, I get that. But I'm saying that you can't, if you're Phoenix, you can't start 0-2. You have that sense of urgency right away, which granted, maybe they did not have all season long, but now they have it. Now they're going there. Now, you know, maybe they're not. I don't think the Phoenix Suns are, are, are not going to advance because of lack of effort is what I'm trying to say. And a lot of these other teams, it's going to be the same thing. It's no, just going to be gonna... lack of talent. Right, they're not going to advance because they stink. They're that's, twenty-six that's and mean. thirty-nine. Like, but, why? Why, why would we expect them to do anything other than start zero and two, or one and three, or something? Like, I would be more stunned if halfway through this eight-game slate, like the Phoenix Suns are are still alive and still angling and still battling. I, they, they've literally done nothing to prove that uh, that they ever play with a sense of urgency. Uh, and I don't know. I, we don't need to sit here and talk about the 22nd team out of 22. That's a, a waste of all of our time and energy. I do think, though, kind of what you, what you were saying, Micah, I, I think also like the Bucks, the last two games of the regular season, I mean, we talked about this earlier when we had our meeting today, Colin. I think you said that I don't think Giannis is going to sit those games out like he might in the regular season if it was game 81 and 82, but he's probably not going to go 100% in those games, right? So if you're the Raptors, who I do believe have two games remaining on their schedule, and we'll see how that plays into who they play, but like there's a possibility that their final game of the season is against a rested Bucks team, um, and that could be a, an easier win than it would look like um, right now. So I, I do think that's going to play into it as well, which is why I think when you have like a three-game lead over the Celtics or whatever, that's a, that's a pretty big gap to make up in such a short window, even with all the unknown of playing in a, a neutral court and all that. And for what it's worth, it might not even be the final two games. It could be the final seven games. Like if mm-hmm. there are six and a half up, right? Milwaukee opens with a win and Toronto opens with a loss. It's a wrap. Like, right. so I'm not, and again, they, they just took three months off. So uh, to your point, they're just, they're not going to not play everyone, but there's a chance that Milwaukee enters this thing, being able to play all of its guys 15 minutes a night for eight games to gear up. Uh, but it just it 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 just creates a sense where you look at the opponents on the schedules, and it's not as easy as oh well well look at this team they got to play all these great teams. It it just matters when you play them. Who what else happens? I, I just there, there's a lot of moving parts here that I think are far more interesting than what we typically might see with game eighty eighty one eighty two. You guys are killing me right now. You guys are being big time Debbie. I just spent probably an hour and a half before we started this podcast, talking myself into the last eight games of the regular season more than I probably should have under the guys that these guys would not the bucks for, for example, but that the first, you know, five games for all these teams will mat will, will not matter more, but they'll be played with a certain level of intensity, not because they missed the games, but because they need to secure the spots that they're in right now. And when you have teams that are playing against each other, like, 
I think it's a, a somewhat of a blessing not having the Hawks show up, not having the Knicks show up because they would have absolutely nothing to play for. Whereas everybody there, the 22 teams have something to play for so that they're going to go all out. And that's, that's what I, 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 you know, I talked myself into this being more competitive than I, that most ends of regular seasons normally are, even if, you know, we know that the Bucks are probably going to end up with the number one seed, et cetera, et cetera. I agree with you, by the way. I, I, the thing for me is I, I just said those four teams to me are pretty much locks. But other than that, all those teams have so much to play for. Um, again, there's very little difference between the Clippers at number two and the Rockets at number six in the West. And there's going to be so much movement, I feel like, there. And the same thing in the East. You have the Heat, the Pacers, and the 76ers. Those three teams are going to be jockeying up to move up into fourth place, to not be in sixth place, or whatever it is. So I think there's still going to be a lot, like, it's still going to be very competitive, and other teams have a lot to play for. I just think, based on those 22 teams, that to me, there's just there's four that are locked right now. That's all. all. That's all I was saying. Because I I, I do think it's going to be interesting. So let's talk about the teams that actually this matters to. Because eight games in the regular season, if you're the Philadelphia 76ers, you've watched your season basically be a waste of time up until now. And now you're fully healthy and and you're you're going to be in a better position now than you were in April to really put a stamp on the season and put yourself in a best position to make a run towards the – towards the Eastern Conference Finals and, uh, or, or just the NBA Finals in general. Um, Philly, to me, uh, is a team that I, I, I really circle in the Eastern Conference. And then out West, I really circle the Houston Rockets because now, you know, there is, to me, no excuses. This is the team that you've built. It's a championship team. you got to make a run this season or changes have to be made. I agree with that. And I, do you guys think I, – so I get the sense uh, that – Look, Houston just needs to play as well as it can and use those eight games, and they'll fall wherever they do. I, I, I'm not sure it really matters for Houston where, whether they end up third, fourth, fifth, sixth. Um, I, because, look, in the second round, the, the Lakers and Clippers are – you're facing one juggernaut or another. Whereas the Sixers, I think, are in a really interesting spot where it, it's almost better for them to stay where they are rather than jump up to that 4-5. So I think like the Sixers are in this weird spot where they kind of have to use this eight games to figure out who they are. Obviously, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid were, were injured and out leading into the season being suspended. So they have to do kind of a ramp up while also kind of playing a little bit of a cat and mouse game because the last thing that Philly probably wants to do is be on the same side of the bracket as the Bucks and potentially seeing them in the second round. So I, the Sixers in particular, to me, are, are maybe outside of the race for eighth in the West, which is, is clearly that's the most interesting subplot. To me, next on that list is what happens with Philly. Anything I, add, I agree. No, I, I agree with you guys. Um, and I, I think one of the interesting things about the Rockets in particular, I, I actually disagree with you, Micah, that I don't think it matters where they end up because there's one of those teams that I think the Nuggets, the Clippers, the Thunder, and the Rockets are going to want to play in the first round, and it's the Utah Jazz. Um, just because uh, Boyan Bogdanovich is out for the season after having wrist surgery. We know all the stuff that's going on, all that's been reported about Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and kind of their frayed relationship. So I think if there's a, one of those really good teams in the West that they want to face in the first round, not to mention, by the way, that the Rockets have defeated them, what, two years in a row in the playoffs? Right. Um, I, I think the Jazz is just the, that one team that stands out uh, being the one that the other ones are going to want to target in the first round. 
I, I know. I, I agree with that. I was more so thinking about it in terms of just the, the larger draw at hand, because usually when you, when you hear about teams, well, do we want to be fifth or sixth or do we want to be third or fourth? It's all about who you play in that second round and about getting the easiest path. And, and so I agree with you in the sense that I, I think if they could handpick anybody, uh, it would probably be Utah. That being said, like, I would feel pretty confident right now taking Houston over Denver, Utah, or Oklahoma City. And look, maybe that's just being uh, seduced by the idea of the Houston Rockets more so than what actually happens when they, when they step on the floor and play. But um, I don't know. They're, they're a fascinating team to me. While you were talking about, you know, not really caring so much as to who you play or where Houston were to fall in the, I thought about how different this is going to look because, you know, motivation wise to get home court advantage, that's out the window. So finishing fourth place versus finishing fifth is not going to matter so much. So maybe, maybe the conversation should be, uh, you know, who, who you're trying to match up with rather than, you know, trying to get to a certain spot in the seed. So that's going to be interesting how that plays out, uh, you know, going down the line. Um, we don't know enough about, you know, what the strategy would be. But if you had to guess, if you, were, if you were Philly, for example, in the regular season, they would be trying to get to the fourth seed tooth and nail because they are a much better home team than they are a road team. But now, let's call their shot. Are they trying to find the Boston Celtics where they had had some success this season and signed Al Horford for this reason? to try and beat this team in the playoffs or are they trying to avoid uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, as you said, that maybe has had their number the last couple of years. The Sixers are a weird team to me. Like I, 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 to me, they don't strike me as a team that would really care because I actually think they built this team primarily for the Bucks and Giannis in mind. And we talked about it before the season started. A big reason that I had the 76ers as my favorite in the East, because I loved how they matched up with them and how they could throw a Joel and beat on Giannis for two quarters and then mix in Al Holford and then mix in Ben Simmons and just throw different bodies at him. So to me, like, it may even benefit them more to play the Bucks earlier on because we've seen how Joel Embiid's body kind of breaks down and everything like that. So maybe they'd be better off seeing them early rather than later. Especially also- with all the unknown, with how guys are going to look. Like maybe, again, maybe you want to catch Giannis early because you don't know how he's going to play after all this hiatus and stuff like that. It's also an incredibly dangerous assumption to just assume that it's a matter of uh, when they play the Bucks instead of if, because like they walk into a Wait playoff a series with the, with they the walk magic? into a playoff. Well, what are we doing here? No, well, no, I'm talking about the Sixers getting oh, out of the first okay. round. Oh, okay. right, because they can play the Heat. You think okay. I'm going to sit here and say Nick <laughs> I was say, I didn't know where we were going squad. with this one. <laughs> Quarantine's done a lot to me. It hasn't, hasn't done that much. Mo no, Bamba I just, locking down Giannis. <laughs> I just hey, Mo Bamba's a magic wish. Mo Bamba's put on like 20 pounds of muscle, apparently. So, for so him, who man. knows? Stop it. Uh, Jonathan Isaac coming back? I don't know. Pessy, <laughs> they're sleeping in their, sleeping in their, uh, in their own beds. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I just think that, uh, you know, it's, it's easy to get seduced by the idea of the Sixers and of the Rockets, but then push comes to shove. There's not a single person out there that would be surprised or should be surprised, you know, if, if the Sixers walk into a first-round series against the Celtics and just get absolutely dump-trucked. I don't think that would happen. Um, that being said, like, there's a reason that they're sixth in the East right now, and it's because – uh, even despite the injuries to Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, they've just been an incredibly frustrating up and down roller coaster team uh, this entire year. So 
I just kind of do one giant shrug emoji whenever I think about the Sixers because I, I have no earthly idea. Scott, I do think your, your instincts are right where I don't necessarily think it, it matters one way or the other. They just need to figure out who they are. And they got eight games to essentially fix this, uh, you know, find an identity. And if they do find their identity, by the way, uh, there's not a team in the East that includes Milwaukee more talented than them. Yeah. I, I'm I'm high in the Sixers heading into this little format thing. I just matchups, I think I think are going to be key in this uh, in this sort of playoff run because you have no form to really run off of. Eight games is not enough to really get you going, so it's just going to come down to matchups, coaching, and who could get hot in a short period of time. And I think the Sixers might be uh, prime for that. All right, let's talk about the AC because that's really what matters out West. That's probably where we're going to see the most movement potential. The Memphis Grizzlies have been holding down the AC for a very long time. It seems like everybody in the world want to take it away from them. Uh, you gentlemen, do you think that the Memphis Grizzlies will be playing the Lakers when we start the playoffs in, uh, in the middle of August? I think they will be. I don't want them to be. I, uh, I, I would much rather see the Pelicans or the Blazers in that spot. Man, three, three games is a lot to make up in eight. Mm-hmm. And I think the Grizzlies are one of those teams, actually, that's, you know, everyone talks about Embiid and Simmons coming back for, for the Sixers. And, and who knows if, like, Kevin Durant's going to play for the Nets. But the Grizzlies are quietly a team that was really banged up uh, entering that, that stretch run. Not only were they going to face the hardest remaining schedule in the NBA prior to the season being uh, suspended, but they're also dealing with injuries to both Jaron Jackson Jr. and Brandon Clark. Um, so the Grizzlies, to me, are a team that I, I just I think it's going to be hard for one of those other teams to catch them. As much as I, I, I kind of want it to happen, uh, I think we're headed for an 8-9 plan. I was going to say, that that's going to be the path, right? Because like we just said with the Raptors and everything like that, three, three and a half games is quite a lot to make up. But all one of those teams has to do is finish within four games of the Grizzlies. And if there's multiple teams, I'm assuming the one with the best record of those teams would then go into play in tournament with them. And then they'd have to beat them, correct me if I'm wrong, twice to actually make the playoffs over them. So it's a pretty hard path for a team to make it over the Grizzlies. In saying that, the, the Blazers are looking pretty good to me. Because you, you talk about a team, they haven't been great this season, but they were banged up. Um, like you were saying about the uh, the Grizzlies going into hiatus, um, Yusuf Nurkic should be back, I believe. I believe Zach Collins could be back as well. Damian Lillard was was dealing with an injury um, after All Star break, so he should be fine now. So, if if there's one team in the West um, that I'm looking at right now, they probably benefited the most from the hiatus just because it's been given those guys a chance to get healthy. Um, so if they can finish within four games of the, the Grizzlies, which they should be able to do. I mean, I could see them beating them twice, couldn't you? Yeah, I think, I think they – I don't know if I would say I think they would beat them twice, but, I, but I, man, both the Pelicans and Blazers are, are, would be I, – I just – I don't know. I, I think it's easy to kind of look at, look at them and assume that one of those teams will catch Memphis. And like you said, all they have to do is finish within four games to, uh, to, to, to force it. what would be a double elimination playoff for the Grizzlies, single elimination for – the ninth place team, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the inverse is that Memphis plays one game better than both of them and we're completely out of a playoff. And yeah. I think that that's a, that's a possibility that needs to be uh, considered because it, it very easily could happen. So you guys are, first of all, you guys are discounting. We've already discounted uh, 
the Suns. We pooped on them to start the podcast, but Get what about the Spurs? Spurs who have the longest playoff streak going right now, are they out too? I, I, I think, think they're so. out, yeah. I think they're yeah, out. I, to me, this is between the Pelicans and the Blazers. Um, obviously, the, the, the Grizzlies too, but I think the Blazers and the Pelicans are the two biggest threats uh, to the Grizzlies for the eighth spot. I don't know. I'm with Micah in this. I think that the Grizzlies are actually going to hold down that eighth spot. I, over the, the last week or so, I've been re-watching a lot of Grizzlies basketball, sheer boredom, um, and going back and just seeing this team. And they are a team, because they're, they're so under the radar, they're a team that plays with such a chip on their shoulder. Like All of their guys have chips on their shoulder. Jaron Jackson has had a nice season. Uh, Valanchunas has had a nice season. John Morant's likely going to be the rookie of the year. He plays with the biggest chip on his shoulder. I don't know much about their coach, Taylor Jenkins, but maybe he's a guy <laughs> that's you know using this sort of us-against-the-world mentality, and that's what they're going to have to need. They're going to need that going into this sort of 22-team, eight-game format where everybody is ex- – I mean, what, what bulletin board material? What better bulletin board material than the NBA is trying to get you out of the playoffs – go out and, and show them why you should be there. Like, that's the biggest motivation that they have. They're not going to win the championship based off that, but they may very well earn themselves a spot in the first round. And Ju- Justice Winslow is another big question mark, too. Kind of one of those wild card players that you look around, and there's probably, what, six or seven of those guys throughout the league. Scott, you mentioned Nurkic and Collins being the, the kind of in that mold for Portland, but... I think those wild card guys that there's just not a lot of scouting on, we have no idea what they'll look like when they get back, how they fit in. It's obviously a, a new team for Winslow, uh, having been traded their midseason in the Andre Godala trade with Miami. Um, do you guys think, though, so I'm of the opinion that I, I think it's going to be Memphis. If I, had to, if I had to pick one team to actually finish eighth, uh, and that includes the playoffs, I, I think that's who the Lakers will be playing. That's definitely the team of, of the threesome, uh, with apologies to Sacramento and San Antonio and Phoenix. If you look at Memphis, New Orleans, and Portland, the Lakers definitely want to play Memphis, right? Or do you just think it doesn't matter? I don't know I don't that know they want to play. I don't know what they want to play anyone specifically. And if maybe out of those teams that you named, probably Sacramento or or the Suns, they're probably hoping for. No, like those no, are teams. Forget, forget those three. I mean, of the three of of New Orleans, of Portland, the guys, and yeah, yeah. They might make the mistake though of of saying Memphis and 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 you know anything could happen. And I I don't want to say that Memphis is going to upset the Lakers, but I do feel an upset coming in this in these playoffs because of how random it's going to feel. There's not going to be a home court advantage. Um, you know, th- there's not going to be any travel. Uh, you know, it, it, it might be suited best for young legs and a team like Memphis who likes to get out and run, you know, might be able to surprise the Lakers a couple of times, especially when you don't have scouting on certain guys like Justice Winslow. And you add a Justice Winslow who's, who's another body they could just throw at LeBron James. Like Memphis has guys that could be annoying in the playoffs. I don't want to say it's going to make things difficult, but it'll be if they end up winning, you know, the Lakers end up winning in five games, it's going to be a tougher, more annoying five games than maybe them going up against the Pelicans, who are just a young team that just probably just don't match up well. Other than Zion being awesome for five games, who else is really causing a threat on that team? There's not really someone that's going to be explosive, uh, you know, as a, as a threat for them. Yeah, I think it's the Pelicans for me because – they can probably, even if Zion goes absolutely nuts, I don't think that's going to be the difference between them. Like, I don't think they're going to lose a series against them. And also the big thing for me is the Pelicans just have nobody who can match up with LeBron. 
Like we saw what their last game, Drew Holiday drew the assignment. And Drew Holiday is one of the best primitive defenders in the NBA, but he just has no shot against him. And other than him, it's like you're either throwing Zion at him or you're throwing Brandon Ingram, and neither of them are at a point where they can defend him. Um, so I think even just for that, I, the, Pel- the Pelicans probably uh, get my vote there. Yeah, it's uh, same on mine. I can see that. I, I, I do think, though, that the, with Portland and with New Orleans, there are players on both of those teams that, that I think are, are capable of really stepping up and delivering monster performances and multiple, multiple ones. Memphis, I just don't think, has the firepower required. They might have the fresh legs and they might have the more versatile bodies, but like, I, I don't look at Memphis and I, I can't in my imagination see John Morant like outplaying LeBron. Maybe he does it once, but like, I can look at Portland and I can see Damian Lillard going absolutely ballistic for a couple of games. I could see the combination of Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram getting really hot and having kind of an out-of-body experience. I just look at Memphis and I just think like even if they play their very best, I'm just not sure they kind of – I just don't think they have the firepower or the horses to kind of really do what it takes to match up with L.A. So I, I would pick Memphis if there's one team that I would want to face. Puzzle. I got a question for you guys. There is no path, right? There is no path to Zion winning Rookie of the Year. Is that right? Even if the Pelicans make it in the playoffs over the Grizzlies, Zion leads them, puts up huge numbers, beat him in the double elimination. You're not that naive. You're not that naive. It would happen. If if the Pelicans catch the Grizzlies and they beat them and he drastically outplays John Morant in like a play-in situation, come on, that that would – I think it's actually more likely than not that he would get it. I don't, and I, mean, I, I, I don't think he should. I think that it, it shouldn't even be a conversation. It should be John Morant. And, like, I'm the biggest Zion fan probably in the, in, in the world, but I, that's John Morant's award. Uh, the fact that it's even a conversation means that that door is just already creaked open, ready to be busted open. That's why, that's why I think that, it, you know, it, short of him getting the Pelicans in the playoffs, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be John Morant's award but the fact that we're even having a conversation about it, the fact that you can even ask us the question and we didn't laugh you out of the building shows that there right. is a chance and as they said in dumb and dumber at one point lord christmas if there's a chance then there's a chance right like zion gets them into the playoffs there's your chance i just think it's fascinating to see to, to see what's going to happen with the award races because i i don't really think there's a case for like lebron to win mvp right but if the Lakers did get the number one seed or they have the best record in the NBA through these eight games or whatever, like that just helps his case. And I think probably Zion's is, is the clearest path. Um, but I, I do think it's going to be interesting to see how award voters treat these eight games leading up into the playoffs because we've just never had anything like it before. That's a good point. And, and it and matters, these, right? Yeah, these eight games are going to... Like if, if someone plays well for an eight-game stretch, for example, if LeBron goes out and plays really well for an eight-game stretch, steals the number one overall seed... And Giannis is just kind of, you know, going through the motions because the Bucks have the number one seed in the East locked up. I think that swings the vote in, in LeBron's favor uh, because that's the impact that, you know, the lasting memory that people are going to have is that LeBron James is the best player in the league for eight games and got the Lakers to the number one seed when many thought it wasn't going to be possible to happen. So it, you're right. Like eight games sounds like a short amount of time. But it's short enough for someone to get really hot. We saw what, you know, James Harden did through 15 games, you know, in the, in the regular season, 
this sets up for a guy like James Harden to get really hot and, and ride that wave into the playoffs. Yeah, the, the, re, the amount, there's already an aggressive amount of recency bias that happens with the ward voting. I mean, we, we see it. I wouldn't say that we see it every year, but I, I think that we would all agree that, like, if James Harden had the month that he had in November and he had that in February, we'd be talking about him alongside Giannis and LeBron in the MVP discussion. Uh, we're not because he just wasn't very good uh, in January and February. I, I'm with you. I think eight games is – that's a tenth of the season. Like, that's nothing to to, to sneeze at normally, right? So, um, I don't know. I, I, th- I think that there's a, there's a high likelihood of some MVP voting – MVP, Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Sixth Man. I think all of that stuff uh, comes into play just because these eight games are going to feel far more important than any other eight-game stretch uh, at any other point in time in the season. The real question is, is eight games enough for Hassan Whiteside to make a push for NBA third team? <laughs> you know where I stand on this. The most, the, overlooked I do. All, the most overlooked all-NBA candidate in the league. Uh, by the way, I was laughing when you guys brought up the fact that Nurkic and Zach Collins could show up because I could just I could just picture the immediate the immediate the, the, the time you brought up those two names. The only thing that popped into my head is Hassan Whiteside pouting now because he's not getting the minutes that he was getting previously when those guys were sitting on the bench with injury. That's a good point. Um, all right, let's we have a couple minutes here with uh, you know a question that I got to ask you guys: Has anything changed in terms of your your thoughts on who you? Think's going to win a championship. Both of you guys have been on the Clippers pretty hard throughout the season, and I believe the Sixers and the Bucks, if I'm not mistaken. I know Scott's Sixers, Michael. Yeah, year. I, I picked the Sixers at the start of the year. Transition to the Bucks when I realized the uh, Sixers have been the biggest <laughs> disappointment in the league this season. Where are you at? Now? I, I'm still with the Clippers. I, I still ultimately think they're the best team, um, and until I see otherwise, until I see something that proves otherwise, I also just really like the way they match up with the Lakers, being able to throw so many guys at LeBron. So, so for me, it's still the Clippers. I think it's uh, gonna be the I think it's gonna be the Clippers uh, as well. They they were really starting to round into form, uh, play really well uh, after adding Marcus Morris there with it with, with their lineup. Kawhi is gonna be healthy. Paul George is gonna be healthy, uh, and there oh, we've talked about this before. I think that that's a team that really benefits from they don't have to now play seven away games against the Lakers if those two teams play each other. I will say, I think that we are going. I, I, I think that there will be a surprise team in the NBA Finals. Right. I don't know who it's going to be. I, I'm we'll not right going to make a prediction about who it's going to be. Why not? But I, I, like, I no don't. I don't. That. We're not going to have. It's not going to be like Bucks Lakers or. Well, you said Clippers. when you did your tiers, you had the Rockets and uh, Sixers in the second tier. That's right? not a surprise probably, team, though. If the Sixers or Rockets, oh, you're saying there, like beyond them, right? I mean, they're both in. The, they're both six seeds right now, though. I mean, that, yeah, that, that kind of counts as a surprise, right? That, that, those would be my votes, but if you don't think that's a big enough surprise, I don't know who else you're... Are you saying like the Heat, the Celtics? The I don't know. I, one, one of these teams that nobody thinks is going to lose early is going to lose early. Like, yeah, you're right. I, 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 would, I, would, I would venture to guess that like the Bucks, Lakers, or Clippers, one of those three teams is going to lose before the conference finals. And one of them might lose in the first round. I have no idea which one it would be. I wouldn't predict it to happen. But I just these. It, it, this is going to be such a weird scenario in Orlando. I think it's foolish to expect things to go according to chalk, uh, because there's just there's so many different uh, dynamics at play here. Um, and like Portland, to me, is the the perfect example of a team that, like, under normal circumstances, would have had no business 
even competing with the Lakers. All of a sudden, if they get in, they're at full health. They have a, a guy in Damian Lillard who's proven he could be the best player in a series against anybody. I, I, would, I be, would I be shocked if they were to beat the Lakers? Yes. Do I see that as like a one in a million it will never happen? No, like I, I think it's plausible. I think, it's absolutely, I think it's absolutely on the table for a massive upset to happen in the first round. All right, let's get into the betting odds because they have been updated. Um, the Lakers are currently 2-1 to one favorites to win the NBA title by far. Uh, that's the number one. Uh, and then you have the Bucks at 11-4, the Clippers at 13-4. Those are your top three. Um, anything jump out of you guys when you look at the betting odds? Or, I know you guys aren't betting men, but... Does it, do you find it interesting that the Lakers have now jumped up clear head and shoulders above everyone else? I do think it's interesting because the Bucs have been by far and away the best team all season long. So I, do you guys have the odds in front of you what they were before the season was suspended? Because I'm guessing the Bucs would be number one. Yeah, I, I, I would. Well, I mean, a betting man would say that it would be the Lakers, Clippers, one and two. And when you look at what the odds are for... For this season, I'm assuming that well, – well, actually, what shocked me is that the Bucks overtook the, the Clippers because at the beginning of the season, when you have Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, everyone assumed that we were going to see the two best teams would have been in L.A. The Bucks have been tremendous all year. Um, so really, I, I, do, yeah. I do have it pulled up. There's, there's really not much of a difference. The Lakers were betting favorites at, at plus 180, which is essentially the exact same as 2-1. to one. Uh, okay. Followed by the Bucks, followed by the Clippers. I mean, it's those three, and then it's a complete gulf uh, un- until the Celtics and, and Rockets. Uh, then at fifteen to one, so it's it's really not that different than it was in March. The Lakers, I, I think we're we're always going to be the betting favorite. Just that's the nature of betting with public money and people love LeBron, and it's it's sort of like the the Dallas Cowboys effect in the NFL or Notre Dame effect in college football. So. Yeah, you're you're right about that. I, I maybe maybe I'm I uh, overthought it there. The Lakers are the betting favorite for yeah, maybe part of it. They have the popular most popular player on the most popular team. Uh, the Celtics, fifteen to one, they have jumped up, and that is interesting to me because if I was a betting man, that is a team where I would lay the juice. Um, they they have a player in Jason Tatum that we saw you know develop into a bona fide star now. Um, they're going to be healthy with Kemba Walker back into the lineup. And for you know the first time in a long time, he'll be able to prove himself on a playoff stage. You have Jalen Brown. Uh, you have Gordon Hayward, who is getting back to slowly being you know, himself again. And now maybe with this break, his body's maybe a little different. Maybe he feels a little bit better. Uh, and you know that may change. And then you have Brad Stevens, who's a really good coach, who you know, can find a way under tough circumstances that may be a team that may surprise. I like I like Boston. I think, I think that's an interesting pick. I I definitely like them at fifteen to one over like the Raptors at seventeen to one. Uh, one team that I think is is completely falling uh, under the radar uh, that I, I've had a soft spot for this entire year. But the more I look at, uh, the more I just I just keep falling more and more in love with them. I think the Dallas Mavericks at thirty five to one are a team that is receiving zero buzz about it, about someone that can make some noise. And like, that's the exact type of, we, we talked a little bit earlier about how, is there an upset coming? 
that nobody sees coming, that just completely comes out of left field and shocks everybody. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks are a team, which, by the way, they have the best offense in NBA history, uh, the most efficient offense in NBA history, that is. They have a guy, Luka Doncic, who, by the way, it, it, including every single player in this tournament, probably has more uh, experience playing in just different types of environments than anybody, uh, given all of his experience playing in Europe and, and all the different challenges that that brings. He's a big game player. Porzingis was playing really well. Rick Carlisle is a great coach. I, I kind of like uh, kind of like the Dallas Mavericks at thirty-five to one as, as a little long shot play. The two teams that jumped out to me: the first, the Heat. I think we talked about this last week. They're a really confusing team to me because they started off the season really well. Mike, you've talked about how their point differential points to a team that's not nearly as good as their record indicates. But I just like the way the guys that they have on their team, the moxie of the team, and the way that they can match up with a team like the Bucks. So I, I could kind of see them. It wouldn't shock me if they made the conference finals and then maybe they can make it to the finals or something like that. Um, the other team is the Nets. And, and we've talked about this as well. To 60-1 to 1 for a team that we, do, we don't know. But Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant could come back. And no team has seen that team before. Um, so at 60-1, to 1, I mean, who the hell knows with them? I'm going to shock you guys right now and uh, pick a team. I know I talked about Boston, but they wouldn't be the team that, you know, would surprise anyone if they had gotten to the finals, right? So I've been on this team's bandwagon way before this season began, and I'm going right back on this team's bandwagon uh, as my sleeper team heading into the postseason at 25 to 1 odds, the Indiana Pacers. That's my sleeper team. Uh, no one knows what Victor Oladipo might look like. You mean at 125 to 1? Yeah, sorry, 125. <laughs> what did I say, what 25? 25 to 1 would be a sucker's <laughs> Yeah, it would be, it would be a sucker's bet indeed. Uh, 25 to, 125 to 1 odds. In my mind, they're 25 to 1 odds because they should be a team that uh, is a little bit more respected than I think people uh, you know, assume. If they were healthy all year, I really think that they'd be a top four team in the Eastern Conference. They have a really good coach who's, who always falls under, under the radar, Nate McMillan. And they have a superstar in Victor Oladipo who can get hot. And this break may have given him the extra time needed to get fully healthy and maybe trust his body. Just working out one-on-one -on -one by himself, maybe doing Peloton, whatever he was doing in his house has probably set him up to be in better shape for this postseason run versus him being ready to go in April. And then, oh, by the way, there's going to be no pressure on this team at all whatsoever to get things done. Malcolm Brogdon, is he still you know, able to play? Right? Like he's, he's been in and out of the lineup. Uh, I think the only guy they, they lost is Lamb, right? Lamb's the only guy yeah. that, that's out for the season. Yeah, that sounds about right. This team, this team is deep. This team is a deep team. Um, had they had Jeremy Lamb, obviously they'd be that much deeper. But this team is a deep team that I think people are sleeping on. And it, they might could make a run. They got a lot of guys on the team on the team that could get hot for short periods of time. And this is what you need in this sort of format. I, I like that pick. Um, I, I, I can't really imagine them going to the finals, but I, I like the pick. The one thing about them, though, is that not only do you have to deal with Victor Oladipo trying to become the player that he was before his injury, but I also think there's, I don't know if power struggle is the best way to put it, but like without him this season, DeMontis Sabonis has basically led that offense. So I still feel like we haven't seen a lot of Oladipo next to this version of Sabonis. So I just think it's going to take some time for them to figure that out and everything, which makes me think that they're more likely to make you know, a deeper run next season once Victor Oladipo is back 
to, to who he was and everything like that, and they can kind of figure it out. The team that I'm starting, the more we're talking, right, and about the Pacers and the Celtics and the Heat and all, the more I'm starting to get more nervous for the Bucks because I just think that they were on such a roll. I know that they lost, what, three straight games in, in March once Giannis tweaked his ankle against the Lakers, but I, I just I think that they were a team that had finally – uh, they everybody had their established role. Chris Middleton was playing the best of his career. Giannis was historic. What? Uh, yeah, Brook Lopez, yeah. who Scott thinks is the defensive player of the year and defensive player of all hey, time. No, 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 no. You can't do that. I never said he was defensive player of the year. I said he should be a finalist for defensive player of the year. Okay, there we go. Okay, make there a real go. strong case there. No, I, I just, I think that the Bucks were a team that was he- just so far head and shoulders above everybody else in the East. And I think that this, just the, the, the circumstances, the layoff, the lack of home court, everything is, is pointing to a team now that I, I just think that the door is open now for any number of these other teams in the East to slide on through. I think Philly's been a threat the whole time. But, like, I don't know. I, there's no way I would have even entertained the notion of Milwaukee losing in the second round to the Pacers or Heat. And I, I don't know, like, I, I could it happen now? Could that be the upset coming that nobody sees coming? I, I, I think I could talk myself into that. This is so exciting. The fact that we, this is even a conversation. Like, had the season went on as planned and we started the playoffs in April, there's no chance that we're talking about Milwaukee getting upset in the first or second round. Uh, I know you didn't well, then, say that in the first round, but in a second round or beyond, like, they, everyone would have expected them to go straight to the finals, right? We would have been absolutely shocked if that wasn't the case of them playing either the Lakers or Clippers. I don't know if people will be absolutely shocked if they get knocked out of the playoffs before reaching the finals this season. I think that the break has, has changed and opened up the door for a lot of imagination, I guess. Yeah, that's fair. Do you, I mean, do you think it's a lock that the Clippers or the, the Lakers make it out in the West, though? I, I don't think anything is a lock. I, I, think it's, I, I, think, I feel comfortable saying that one of those three teams uh will be playing in the nba finals but i I have no idea which one it's gonna be uh and and to be honest like maybe even that's giving it too much credit because if the rockets and sixers are are sitting there as the last two teams standing i don't think that would be that incredibly shocking either uh just given everyone's healthy given the time off houston is such a weird team to play they're they're, the two weirdest teams in the league uh to get up for and play and to have to do that now with all the added uh, oddities and intricacies going into playing here uh, in Orlando, I, I don't think anything is off the table. I, I really don't. I, I, you know, maybe that's going to sound really dumb here in two months when it just goes completely chalk and all the best teams beat all the bad teams and we're left with the exact same conference finals and, and Final Four and Final Eight that we would have gotten. Uh, but I just... I don't know. I think that there's a recipe here for something really crazy to happen, and I'm I'm very excited to watch it unfold because I I don't know what that's going to be. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm on that side. Is that I'm excited to watch it unfold. Let's not let's not get too far ahead of ourselves and uh, and and talk about this league as if um, the coronavirus pandemic is still not a real thing that uh, could affect the bubble. Um, obviously we had that, you know, this conversation under the guys, assuming that everyone would be safe, everyone would be healthy and we would go on without anyone, uh, you know, contracting the virus throughout. But, you know, data shows that someone, uh, at some point will probably end up, 
uh, getting the virus. We hope, knock on wood, that it doesn't happen to anybody. But I just want to acknowledge that. Uh, I'm not getting into a discussion about what we think will happen because we don't know. But just acknowledge that we know that that's still a real thing out there. And it's still something that a lot of these teams and the league as a whole should actually take into account um, as we get ready to get back into business. Um, Eight teams are not going to be in Orlando. Eight teams will not play a basketball game for almost 10 months by the time we restart in 2020-2021. That is a long time without playing meaningful basketball. For you know, a team like the Golden State Warriors, who were already out of it and knew they were out of it, probably in you know at February, right? Like they knew that they had no chance and were acting as such. Um, that's even longer, probably, without playing a meaningful basketball game. Same for you know the Knicks, the Hawks. You go down the line. What's going to be different for these teams uh, heading into 2021, 20? Or 2020, 2021. The biggest surprise that I've seen so far out of all this is, and look, all these are tentative plans and all this is subject to change and who knows what will actually happen, right? But uh, there was, I I believe, uh, Shams tweeted out that they're looking to still start the next season on December 1st, which means that the the teams that play in the NBA Finals are going to have like like basically a, a month off. Uh, there's, there's essentially not going to be an off season, which I think for somebody like the Golden State Warriors, who they were already going to be a team kind of looking to come back and get in the mix next season, that's now a team that all of a sudden, because everyone else uh, that's in your normal field of contenders would be dealing with it, such an abbreviated off season and, and congested, uh, you know, just congested time frame. All of a sudden now, I think, I think all the, the dominoes are in place for Golden State to be that much more of an interesting contending, uh, contending team next season, even more so than had we said, okay, we're going to end the season in October, we're not going to start till mid-January, because teams are going to come back really tired uh, to start next season. It's, just, it's going to be something that we're talking about. I didn't even think about the teams that are actually going to be, like the 22 teams that are going to be playing deep into September, well, not all of them, but later than they would have and having to turn back around like do you think that if if you're Milwaukee you go to game seven of the NBA finals which will be October 10th 12th potentially and then you have to start December 1st you say to your guys hey let's start load managing to start the season we know we you know we want to we want a title we uh let's assume that they want a championship we want a championship let's let's manage our loads Giannis is you know have to he's gonna have to relax a little bit he's heading into his contract year there's no sense in putting him out there when he's going to sign, you know, big money. And I would, the, I would tell Giannis, I would tell LeBron, I would tell Kawhi, I would just say, just come the first week of January. Like I, I to me, it's that's almost one of those things where you rush back and you try to do it right, even if you're load managing and you're being smart about it. Um, that's a lot of basketball, man. I, I know that they will have just had three months off, but you're essentially then going to be asking players to play from. What July thirty first of one year into a schedule that's probably going to go into July next year. Yeah, right. I mean that that could be essentially twelve straight months of basketball, or twelve of thirteen, or or eleven of twelve. Whatever it is, Um, I just there's gonna be there's gonna be some downstream effects uh, for next season. That like there's gonna be a team next year that misses the playoffs because a, a bunch of guys got hurt because there just wasn't enough time off. 
and 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 I'm not even saying that as like a some sort of like a bad uh, unavoid or a bad or avoidable uh, thing that the NBA could have avoided. This is this is just the reality of of the situation, and there, there's always going to be trade offs to make. But I I just I, I think it's naive to think that everything is just going to play out uh, as it would have normally, given sort of the schedule that we're working with now. And in addition to that, by the way, is free agency in the draft, which is going to happen at the blink of an eye at this rate. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we have no idea what the salary cap is going to look like next season after the coronavirus and everything like that. Does that lead to more guys opting into their contracts, signing one or two year deals? When you look at, you know, the Raptors and Fred Van Bleet, who is one of the, the biggest free agents or set to be one of the biggest free agents this offseason. So there's just, there's still a lot up in the air and it's going to be, it's going to be very interesting to see how, like how the dominoes fall. Um, after all this, the, you know. the free, the salary cap thing, look, we, it's, it's dumb to even venture down the path of like what, what the number's going to be, which team has what space, what, what guys are going to do, yada, yada, yada. But I, I do think that there, there's a, uh, an elephant in the room situation. Uh, it's, it's like a different version of 2016 when Kevin Durant went to Golden State, given the, the unprecedented salary cap spike. There's going to be this wave of guys that don't want to sign long-term deals. Like, could could the Lakers all of a sudden get gifted into like three one-year deals uh, with players that they otherwise would have had no prayer of signing because they wouldn't have had cap room? Uh, but now they're like, okay, I'm going to go play for a year, contend for a title in a free agency the year after. I I don't know. I I think free agency is kind of the one. The one biggest unknown variable right now that nobody really has any idea how it's going to play out, uh, but it will be dramatically different enough that it could swing. Uh, it could swing who wins next year's title. By the way, um, kiss your vacation goodbye, guys. There's not going to be any <laughs> for us. You're not taking my vacation away, baby. <laughs> not going to be any off season for us. We're going straight. We're going all uh, all year round. Uh, this is this is the NBA doesn't stop. They say basketball doesn't stop. Uh, we're about to find out it truly doesn't stop, right? Here we go. Yeah, the offseason was already short, I felt like. It, it sounds like a long offseason, but I only feel like there's like a one or two week period where there really is nothing going on. Um, so you're right. This is going to be, season's going season's gonna to resume. We're going to have the playoffs, the finals. It's going to be free agency draft. And before you know it, 2021 season is, is right there. Take your vacations now, boys. You got another month before the season starts. <laughs> That's the First. crazy thing. We're still a mo- over a month away yeah, uh, from this starting. It seems like it's just around the corner, but it really isn't. I'm glad. I'm glad we got to uh, sit on top of our perch and complain about covering basketball. For <laughs> yeah, I know it, it felt good to do that <laughs> on the uh, day that this, the season says it's going to come back. We're already complaining. <laughs> uh, love the NBA. Uh, appreciate you listening to this uh, podcast here on NBA Sound System. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate and review it helps us out a ton and also tell your friends about this podcast word of mouth best way to help us spread the word uh head on over to nba.com ca.nba.com we have you covered in terms of the nba coming back it is back july 29th first game uh and we will hopefully see a champion by the end of it all for scott rafferty Mike Adams, I am Carlin Gay, reminding you that if you are protesting anywhere in America or around the world, please do it safely and continue to push the conversation forward. We will see you next time right here on NBA Sound System.